What is up, Foley fan? We are back with the Pod Warriors Royal Rumble history episode. So me and Jordan are going to be going ridiculously deep on Royal Rumble stats. This is basically like we're, we're doing the history of the Rumble by order position. So we'll get into it in a little bit. But first, uh, let me introduce my partner, my compadre, Jordan. What is going on, man? Not too much, man. Just uh, ready to get into the Royal Rumbus with you. Um it's gonna be a fun night. This might be a long episode, like Seth said. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get deep into the Royal Rumble facts and have some beers and just uh, just talk wrestling with you guys. So should be fun. Want to remind you guys before we get into it that this episode is brought to you by Ringside Collectibles. Use code Chick Foley to save ten percent on all your figure purchases at Ringside. It is uh, January twenty fifth as we record this, and Elite One Hundred One is in stock today. So. So go pick that up, uh, you know, or grab anything else missing from your collection over the past couple months. All right. So, again, we're going to go starting from one all the way up to 30, just going through the historical significance of every entry position. Um, We're going to talk about, you know, I kind of broke it down on historical noteworthy performances. I I broke it down into five categories. I said, you know, you could win the Rumble. You could be the runner up. Um, you could have the most time in the ring, the shortest time in the ring. Uh, so that, that was kind of how we, how we caged it in. Cause honestly, like you could really, you could actually make this a whole spinoff podcast series. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. This dude, the Royal rumble is like one of the easiest things to talk about just cause I mean, for me, it's the most exciting match of the year. I always look forward to this more than anything. So, um, and I mean, we've got a lot of years of it to talk about, so um, yeah, this is going to be going to be a good time. There's going to be lots of facts thrown out, lots of numbers thrown out. So, yeah, just sit back and enjoy. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a gimmick match that's been relatively unchanged for going on over thirty years now. You know, like it's so you got some serious statistical breakdown you can do on this. It's like the uh, it, it's it's like the baseball of of wrestling events. You know how baseball is like the easiest thing to compare the different eras to. Same thing with the Rumble. Um, Jordan, what does the Royal Rumble mean to you? I mean, the biggest thing is that you know this is the kickoff to WrestleMania season, right? Like, you know this is going to be the big event. You're going to find out who's going to be in one of the main events at WrestleMania every year. And um, it's just, it's always so fun to watch it. Like, you're counting down at home who's the next competitor. It's it's just really cool. And like Seth said, it hasn't changed much in um, the years they've done it other outside of they've had a 40 man rumble and then like the times have changed every once in a while, but yeah, it's been pretty much the same thing since they started doing it. So. All right. Uh, for the beverage break this week, we are going to kind of do a rolling beverage break cause we're not exactly sure how this is going to go, man. Like the, the format for this show is 19 pages long. We got a huge spreadsheet charting basically every Royal Rumble entrant ever, how long they're in the match, where they finished at. And we're going to be kind of, we're not obviously not hitting on every single person, but we're going to be kind of going, weaving a lot of different conversations in and out of this. And because of that, we're thinking we're probably going to go a few beers deep. So it's going to be a rolling beverage break. Jordan, feel free. You know, it's when you pop the top, that'll be the cue that we're going to talk about a, uh, a, a new beer, man. So what are you starting off the episode drinking? Uh, I started off with a Bushlight Apple, just a, a real easy drinker, um, nothing fancy to start it off. Just something to dip your toe in, man. You're waiting around in the shallow end before you start uh, really doing some hardcore swimming, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm already about seven beers deep and a couple shots because I had a work thing today, <laughs> so um, I, I needed to start it off a little light and finish strong. 
So I'm, I got some catching up to do. So I'm starting with an 8% ABV double IPA. Jesus, bud. <laughs> this is from, uh, this is via our good friend, one of the uh, Pod Warriors most devoted listeners, Zach Hertzler. He sent me a little care package of beer. This is by Cloudberry Brewing out of uh, York, Pennsylvania. It's gelato. It's a double India pale ale brewed with mango, raspberry, passion fruit, apricot, lactose, sugar, and vanilla. So it's like straight up candy, man. It's supposed to be like some sort of, you know, sherbet or, or gelato. Very, very tasty, and I can already tell it's boozy as hell, man. It feels it tastes almost like a cocktail instead of a uh, instead of a beer. Yeah, diving right in with that is uh, certainly a choice considering how much we got to do here tonight. This is going to be a very interesting show. Yeah, if you're into wrestle math, this is the episode for you. Again, Jordan, what were your thoughts when you got that uh, that email with the spreadsheet that I put together? <laughs> honestly my first thought was jesus christ dude how do you have enough time to do this because seth said it, we when we talked about this he's like we're going all in on this like we're not gonna half-ass it at all and man if you guys saw the email that i saw on sunday night i was like jesus dude that's definitely not half-assing it as a bonus for the the premium foley fan members i will i will upload the the spreadsheet that was basically like my magnum opus of uh, research for this thing into the group just so you guys can kind of poke around and take a look at it because it's pretty it's pretty handy little cheat sheet if you want to look back at historical royal rumble performances uh and and if you want to sign up for that if you're if you're listening and you're not a premium foley fan member hit up chickfoley.com and you can sign up uh jordan you ready to get into this let's do it man all right so we are starting off with number one. So the number one spot at the Royal Rumble, all right? In theory, right? If this is a shoot, this is obviously the worst spot to be in. Mathematically, it's actually one of the best, though. If you look at a number I call the Royal Rumble quotient, which is the finish position relative to your entry, number one is the best spot to be in, right? So you think if you're coming in number one, you should finish in 30th place, right? Be the first one out. The number one entrant actually finishes an average of 12.94 place. So about 13th place, right? That's damn near halfway through the rumble. Um, there have been 17, what I classified as historically notable performances. That's the second most in Royal Rumble history. So kind of what, what's your reaction to hearing those numbers just off the rip, Jordan? I mean, it makes sense. Like, obviously, I've watched every Royal Rumble, so it makes sense. One is a gigantic number. Um, like you said, it does not make sense that number one should be um, this highly as far as the average finish, but... I mean, dude, there's been some damn good people that have come out number one. So when you look back at it, it's not really that surprising. Yeah, it's a prime spot. You're starting off the match. You know, remember for the first eight years of the Rumble, um, number one and number two were the only ones that got full entrances. So this is somebody you're obviously wanting to showcase most of the time. Um, we'll get into it. There have been three winners from the number one spot. They It is Shawn Michaels in 1995. Chris Benoit in 2004 and Edge in 2021. Now, going back to Sean, a uh, couple notes on that. So he was the first guy to go the distance. Um, this was the 30-minute rumble. Remember, we, we kind of talked about this on the main show last night, how the mid-90s, some of those rumbles, the talent pool was really thin. And I think to compensate for that, the 95 rumble was probably when it was absolutely at the rock bottom. It was every minute people were coming in. So it's a really quick rumble. So it set him up for success, but it was still a really good performance uh, what, what do you, what's your thoughts on Sean and 95 rumble, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, looking back on this, this is definitely not a good rumble. Um, still impressive nonetheless, going from one to 30. Um, but yeah, 
this rumble is filled with so many bad people though like yeah it's horrible this is not your your hall of fame class in this rumble i I think there's about five to seven good people and the rest of it's pretty bad if you go back it's really sean bulldog and lex luger i think are the only three like viable people that could have actually won this rumble and luger wasn't nearly as as hot as he was in 94. Uh, I think this is one of the most needed Sean figures, man. We, we haven't really gotten a good 95 Sean with the mullet and the beard combo. Yeah, this is a this would be a great figure to have. Hopefully we get it in Legends or uh, something along, or even the Royal Rumble line. I'm thinking Royal Rumble line with, how about this, man, with a build-up figure, Pamela Anderson. Oh. <laughs> man, dude, I just, I, the celebrity ones are just tough for me to, to think that we're ever going to get. I would love to see it. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, especially her. She's got some baggage. Uh, Chris Benoit won it in 2004. Obviously impressive performance, but that's basically been erased from history. I don't think we need to talk about that. And then Edge in 2021, he won the uh, the Thunderdome Rumble, man. what's uh, do, you, do you miss the Thunderdome at all, Jordan? I don't miss anything about the Thunderdome. I mean, it's it definitely served its purpose, but it's, I don't know, man, it just... It's just one of those things that, like, it had to happen, obviously, at the time, and we were all happy to still have wrestling while that was going on, but no, I definitely don't miss the Thunderdome at all. What if that was the next crowdfund, a Thunderdome, a scale Thunderdome playset? I'd rather just not remember that time. That that two years <laughs> sucked, man. That was just, it did. That was a it shitty was two a years time. in life and wrestling and basically just everything. All right, so moving on from the so three winners. Um, so that is tied for the second most winners from from one position. So again, that kind of kills some of the kayfabe for the number one spot. But like we said, that's a you know it's a motivator coming in at number one. There have been ten Iron Men from the uh, from the number one spot. So again, the Iron Man that's the person who lasted the most time in the Royal Rumble. So we had Ted DiBiase in 1990, which. That was really kind of the debut of that spot. This kind, of, this you know, it's kind of become a staple at this point. There's always somebody who gets a really long run, but doesn't win it. And DiBiase in '90, that we didn't really see it in '88 or '89. So DiBiase was kind of the the first guy to kick that off. Shawn Michaels, as previously mentioned in 1995, uh, we had Triple H in 1996. Do you remember Jordan? Why Triple H was the number one spot in uh, the '96 Rumble? <laughs> I remember this match and everything. It's it. I, I read it down here, and I was like, man, I really remember that match in the free for all <laughs> against Duke the Dumpster Dickhead. Yeah, the free for all for the for for the younger ones listening, man. That used to be the the kickoff show, and it would actually air. So if you got the pay per view, you could watch it on the pay per view channel. But if not, we used to have this thing called the preview channel. This was before you had like a guide on all your cable systems, and it was just like it would show you what was on, but it was constantly scrolling, right? So you had to put it on there for a minute. You know, if you missed your cha- what was on your channel, you were checking out. Like you had to wait about two minutes. And up in the top right corner of the screen, they would have live TV going, and you could watch the free-for-all on that. But yeah, Triple H lost to a guy named Duke, the dumpster drozy on this. The winner got to go in number 30, loser number one. It's just, it'd really be kind of crazy just plotting the course from... Because the month before this, he w- he was in the hog pin match with Henry Godwin. So he went from you know hog pin matches with Henry Godwin to losing on the pre-show to Duke the dumpster drozy, and now he's running the freaking company. It's What a career trajectory. Yeah, and I mean... Uh... Shortly after this, he uh, got beat by Ultimate Warrior after giving a pedigree. And then, I mean, uh, this was not a good year for Triple H at all. One of the all-time squash jobs at WrestleMania. It's not good, man. I mean, I enjoyed it because I'm obviously an Ultimate Warrior fan. But, yeah, not good at all for Triple H. 
Steve Austin in 1999. I, I think this is the worst Rumble ever, man. What, what's your thoughts on the 99 Rumble? I don't even think it's close either, dude. Any Rumble that um, McMahon wins is instantly the worst Rumble ever. And this this Rumble was, I mean, dude, the Rumble's such a beloved match. And it, the Rumble was, it wasn't even really a match this year. It was just an angle, right? Austin and McMahon are one and two. They leave the ring that, you know, we were getting constant cuts of them outside of the arena. And you you knew it was coming down to those two anyways. Like, yeah, go out of your way to avoid the 99 Rumble. Uh, Chris Benoit, as previously mentioned in 2004, The Miz in 2012, Dolph Ziggler in 2013, CM Punk in 2014, which would be his last match for over seven years. So I got back in the game shortly after this. Uh, Jordan, any memories of Punk's last appearance in WWE? Uh, I mean, I vaguely remember this Royal Rumble. Um, basically, 2005 to 2014 kind of just blend together for me as far as wrestling is concerned. It just wasn't a great time for wrestling at that point. Um, I mean, I like I said, I vaguely remember this. I've went back and watched this, but yeah, sucks that this is how it all ended. But I mean, obviously, you don't hate it because you don't love CM Punk. So there we go. Edge, as previously mentioned, did it in 2021. And AJ Styles actually did it again last year. So the last two years, the number one spot stayed in the longest. Jordan, you were in the house last year, man. What was it like being live at a Royal Rumble? It was awesome. The only problem was last year was so bad. Like AJ Styles was the best person in the ring through like 18 people. And it wasn't even really close that he was the best person in the ring. So it kind of ruined it a little bit that that's the Rumble I was there for. However, still absolutely awesome being there, uh, seeing the countdown on the Jumbotron and all that stuff. Uh, Women's Rumble was awesome. So, um, yeah, it's really cool to see in person. I mean, it's definitely something you should put on your bucket list as a wrestling fan. I thought it was a really good card last year outside of the Men's Rumble. I thought everything else was really, really good. Dude, they stacked that card. That's why I had so much hope for that Rumble. And then, yeah, the Men's Rumble just kind of killed it. There's been one runner-up from the number one spot. Steve Austin is previously mentioned in the 99 Rumble. And three only three times in history, man. This is pretty crazy. So there were one, uh, one thing I need to mention, I forgot to mention in our uh, kind of methodology on this. I did not include any of the women's Rumbles just because we're only, you know, five years deep on that. So it wasn't really enough, you know, statistical precedence to base it off of. I didn't include 88, which was the 20-man Rumble. And I didn't include 2011, which was the 40-man Rumble. And obviously, I didn't include the greatest Royal Rumble, which is, uh, you know. Not a Royal Rumble at all. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. But in 32 years, the person coming in first overall has only been the first eliminated from the Rumble three times. That's pretty wild, right? Yeah, and uh, the more wild thing, I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but uh, all three of these guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, dude, Miz is, I mean, Miz is a double Grand Slam champ now. Like, the stats don't lie. I'm not a fan of the guy, but I also am a big believer in kayfabe. And it, Miz's kayfabe accomplishments are right up there with some of the greats of all time. I mean, like we said earlier, these are the only guys that get a full entrance. So you can't really bring out a shit bird at one or two because otherwise it's going to just set the tone for the whole night that it's going to suck. Um, so, I mean, it's not surprising that there's only three of these guys on this list. So we had Shawn Michaels in 2003, which I believe that was done to really set up um, to set up his match with uh, Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, right? Yep. And then we had Ric Flair in 2007. What was the deal with that one? Man, I don't remember that one. 
Honestly, I, I really don't remember that rumble. Yeah, I don't either. I, but and I think then this, last is, was... this is definitely during Ric Flair's evolution time, if I remember right. And yeah, I mean, he's a, about a year and change out from being retired by Shawn Michaels at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely old as dirt at this point, and I just don't think they wanted him out there very long, honestly. Yeah, going back to... I'm looking at the list of all-time number ones. There's really only... So you got Crush in 97... D'Lo Brown in 2000, which he's kind of borderline. Other than that, it's pretty much been all Hall of Famers. You had the you had Big Cass in 2017, so they could do the end zone cast entrance. Rusev in 18 and Elias in 2019. Other than that, it's been straight up Hall of Famers at that one spot. So yeah, if they're putting you in that number one spot, the company has got a uh, a ton of faith in you. And I don't know. That's uh, you got anything else to say about being the first entrant in the Royal Rumble, Jordan? No, I mean it's it's a cool spot, like you said. Um, it, it's always fun to watch to see how long they can make it. But yeah, I, I love the one spot. It's, it's fun. It's exciting to see how far they make it in the rumble. And yeah. All right. So moving on to the number two spot. So it's a little bit less, uh, mathematically, um, as efficient as the one spot. The average finish, if you come in number two is 10.88, but it's still relative to the entry spot. It's still, it's the second best position to be in. And it's actually got the most historically notable performances. So I told you, coming in at number one, you had 17 historically notable performances. The number two spot has produced 24 of these performances like this. So uh, it's far and away got the most most memorable performances. Um, let's get into it. So there have been two winners from the, from the two spot, Vince McMahon, who we talked about, and then Rey Mysterio in 2006. Um, you know, they, they give Ray a lot of shine. I think at the time he had spent the, it was the most time anyone had ever been in the rumble. Uh, do you think he would have won that rumble if it wasn't for Eddie Guerrero passing away? Or do you think that was like a, a you know, for lack of a better term, a, a sympathy push? Oh, 100%. He, he won that rumble because of that. Um, doesn't take away from it at all for me though. Cause that, if you have not watched that rumble, it's a really fun watch, even though, you know, he wins. Um, yeah, just there's so many times where you just assume he's going to get eliminated and just keeps going. So I, I love that rumble. All right. There have been 10 Ironmen from the two spots. We had Bob Backlund in 93, British Bulldog in 1995, which I think we really need a figure of this, man. We haven't gotten a good like 90, 95 uh, babyface Bulldog with like the, the booty shorts and the long hair. Um do you, what do you think, Jordan? Did the Bulldog get screwed at this Rumble? I think he did because they started playing his entrance music, man. Yeah, this is a, this is definitely a controversial Rumble, but 100% agree we need a figure of this. Um, I I didn't even need you to tell me. I just remember the look. But yeah, he, he definitely got screwed, and I, I didn't love Sean at this time. I was definitely rooting for Bulldog, so pisses me off a little more that we have to talk about it now. <laughs> it, if you want to go back and watch the ending of this it is absolutely incredible all the amazing things Shawn Michaels has done in his career this might be the most impressive I mean they were freaking riding the lightning on this like he could not have come any close to having two feet touch the floor um, you know he gets thrown over the top rope it hangs on feet you know one foot touches the ground the other foot barely misses and in the meantime, I, can't, I don't think the bell rang, but they did start playing British Bulldogs music, right? So obviously, you know, Davy Boy Smith being a big goon starts celebrating. Sean skins the cat, goes back and uh, and eliminates him, man. I just thought I like that was really unfair to Bulldog. The fact that they started playing his music, you know, if they didn't play his music, yeah, screw it. You're just being an idiot, man. But I feel like Bulldog got screwed and, and you know, he never really got any justice for that. 
Yeah, he's not like Vampiro that when he gets his music going, he just gets all excited <laughs> and jacked up. Bulldog gets more like relaxed and is just ready to go to the back and probably have a beer, a couple roids, you know. It's just it's one of those things. But yeah, it, it definitely sucks that he didn't win this uh this match. But man, looking back on it though, like you said, Shawn Michaels skinning the cat on this rumble, it looks so much more impressive because I mean we see it more now, but up until about 10 years ago, we still didn't see this spot a whole ton in the Royal Rumble. Um, now they kind of overuse it. But, dude, 1995, and he did that, like, pretty incredible. Yeah, Sean's the man. I used to really hate Sean just because his part in the screw job. But as time goes on, he's he's in my top five favorite wrestlers ever for sure. It, pre, to, pre-2002 comeback. I was not a fan of Sean when he switched it to the, uh, the slacks. I don't know why, dude. It just... I just felt like it just when he went from the tights to like the chaps, I feel like it immediately aged him like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear, I hear a top popping, <laughs> man. What, what are we on now? We're on a Kieran Ikebon now. So hell yeah. I love this beer so much. Yeah. I, I like that. And the Asahi super dry. That's my two like go to Japanese beers. Uh, all right. Let's keep going through the Iron Man from the two spots. So you had Vince in 1999. We talked about Jericho in 2003, Chris Benoit in 2005, Mysterio in 2006. Talked about both of those. Here's an outlier for Fit Finley in 2007. Jordan, again, I was out of wrestling at this point. What the hell? How in the hell did Fit Finley get the most time in the Rumble in 2007? If I remember right, this is kind of when he was getting a push again. Um, I know it doesn't make sense or anything, but. I feel like he was pretty over at this time. This might have been near, I want to say this was near the beginning of Hornswoggle, and he might even have had Hornswoggle in his corner at this point. I'm not really sure about Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, Jericho did it again. So Jericho's actually been the Iron Man twice from the two spot. Uh, he did it in 2017. Finn Baller did it in 2018. And Randy Orton in 2021. Uh, there have been two runner-ups from the two spot. Inter- interestingly enough, both of those, they both times, they've been eliminated by the guy in the number one spot. That happened in 95 with the, with the Bulldog and in 2021 with Randy Orton. So... That's definitely one that's in you know deep in the playbook of WWE, but to go to they've done they've done it twice in the thirty year history of the Rumble, having having one and two go the distance, and uh, number one ended up getting the win. All right, so we talked about the number one spot being really lucky and only being the first eliminated three times from the two spot. There have been ten times, so about a third of the the Royal Rumbles that we looked at. If you come in at the number two spot, your ass is getting dumped out first. This is definitely not the Hall of Fame list. Um, there's definitely a lot less Hall of Famers on the names you're about to read through. Yeah, the star quality goes down dramatically from one to two. Uh, so one of my favorite, like low-key favorite uh, Rumble moments, 1989, Axe and Smash were number one and number two. I feel like this was the first proper Rumble. 88 was a 20-man. It just aired on the USA Network, and I think they were trying to just get a feel for the match. In 89, they really leaned heavily into the friend versus friend, foe versus foe thing. And Axe and Smash and Demolition were the first two entrants. And Smash did end up getting dumped first in 89. Um, yeah, it's a really cool moment. Uh, Coco Beware in 90, Dino Bravo 91, Ted DiBiase 92, Samu 94, Bull Buchanan 2001, Evan Bourne 2010, Alex Riley in 2012. And then we had the Music Man going back to back, Double J in 2019 and Elias in 2020. So... Real murderer's row right there. Bull Buchanan, B2, give me a beat. That was seen as beat boy. You don't remember that at all, <laughs> do you? 
I have no idea. You're talking gibberish to me right now. Yeah, Bull Buchanan was the one that had um, to give Cena the beat when he rapped. Nice. You would think number two would do a lot better than number one, man, if I'm like using kayfabe logic, right? Why? The match hasn't started when neither one of them come out. Yeah, but number one is going out there completely facing the unknown. They have no idea what's going to be waiting for them on the other side of the curtain. Number two at least has a minute to gather themselves and know the first opponent they're going to be facing. If you ain't first, you're last, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go on to number three. So again, going back to some wrestle math, we taught number one, the average finish position is around 13th place. Number two, the average finish position is around 10th place. If you come in at number three, your chances of success drop by about 50%. The average finish for whoever comes at number three is is 25th place, man. So it's not a good spot to be in. There have been 16 historically notable performances. That's good for third overall. So if you are coming in the first three, you're in good shape. But a lot of that is due to um, there's the number three spot has the highest number of, of first outs, man. Um it, it, it's got 12 people that have been out first time, but there was one winner. I think the greatest rumble ever was my retro pick last week, Ric Flair, 1992. This is definitely the best Royal rumble ever by far. I don't even think it's really that close to be completely honest with you. Like if I was going on a rating scale, this would be like a, this is about as close to a perfect 10 rumble as you can get. And everything else is 8.5 or less for me. Yeah, I think this, as far as star power goes, this one and the 2001 Rumble, the one that Austin won for 2017, I'd have to go back and tally it up. That one's got a ton of Hall of Famers too, um, and it's a really good match. But I think this one gets the nod because this one was for the championship. This was the first Royal Rumble with stakes. Yeah, they were definitely going for it all here. And, dude, Ric Flair puts on an absolute show on this one too. Yeah. yeah, do yourself a favor. I know a lot of people, for some reason, don't go back and watch the old Rumbles, which I don't get. Like, a lot of people think it's just such a gimmicky. So much fun, man. I, I know, but, dude, a lot of people think it's like a gimmicky and hokey match, and they're just not a big fan of the Rumble, and I don't get it. I think this is the funnest thing of the year. I mean, you're not going to get a ton of high spots, but, yeah, it's just still fun. It's a great barometer, right? The Royal Rumble is a great time where you get to see how over people are because you get to see 30 entrance pops right in a row. Um, and especially in the, you know, really up into the Attitude Era, they would have, like, low low mid-carters mixed right in with the main eventers, you know. For now, for the most part, it's it's kind of mid-carters and up, but they used to have straight-up jobbers in the Royal Rumble. So you just got to see a wide range of crowd reactions from, like, straight-up crickets to – the freaking roof blown off the place. Yeah. Uh, so one Iron Man from the three spot, which also Ric Flair in 92, 12 times people have uh, been eliminated from the uh, from the Rumble first out of the three spots. You ready for the, You thought this, the, the lineup from number two were bad. You ready for this murderer's row here, Jordan? This ain't going to be good. We got one of your favorites, Papa Shango in 93. All right, there will be Still one of the most. There will be no Papa Shango, hate. Yeah, one of the most underrated, uh, like underutilized wrestlers ever. 96, Bob Backlund. 97, the fake Razor Ramon. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's fucking solid. Basically, the the fat face Razor Ramon. I still think, dude, they could tell. They, we don't even necessarily need a whole figure of him. Give us a fake Razor head sculpt with a Razor Ramon in the Legends line, right? Like, you could make this. The, the bodies were close enough. Like, give us Razor, give us a Razor figure, but include a fake Razor head sculpt. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I would love to see that. Just fatten up the face a little bit, like draw on the, the beard and everything. It'd be great. 
Uh, Tom Brandy in 1998. What What's your favorite Tom Brandy match, Jordan? The only reason I know who this is is because first he was Salvatore Sincere. That's the only reason I know who this was because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did a shotgun Saturday night here, if I remember right. But I think my favorite match is probably when he wrestled Mark Marrow. There you go, man. We you, had you Golga. Were, you weren't and... prepared for that, were you? I didn't think you were going to have an answer, man, so I'm impressed. We had Golga in 1999, better known as uh, John Tenta, a.k.a. Earthquake. Uh, Action Figure Attack actually today was chiming up on the WrestleFigs message board, said that Golga is a possibility for future figure lines. Dude, we need all the oddities, though. I don't just want Golga. I want them all. They definitely got to get with Paramount and get the licensing because, dude, I don't want Golga if he's not in his Cartman t-shirt with his Cartman stuffed animal. Oh, yeah. It, it has to be in all the garb. Yeah. Who would we need for the Audi? So we need Golga. We need Luna. And I, I mean, I think if we got Golga, Giant Silva, and Luna, we'd be good. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's all I feel you like really the Insane need. Clown Posse would just be, that'd just be reaching. We'd be being greedy at that point. No, I don't need them. Uh, yeah, Headbanger Mosh in 2000. Big Boss Man in 2002, Boss Daniel Man. Pewter 2005, Simon Dean 2006, Santino in 08, Damian Sandow 2014, and most recently, Rhino in 2018. The three spot also ingloriously has two members that had the shortest time in the Rumble. Yeah, previously mentioned Tom Brandy, one of Jordan's favorites back in 1998, and Eric Rowan in 2020. I don't remember this, man. I, I was overseas uh, on a military deployment in the 2020 Rumble. What the hell happened to Eric Rowan in 2020, Jordan? <laughs> I don't remember this either, honestly. Uh, dude, again, Let me look at the stats. This is this is part- he was in the he was in for oh that was the Brock Lesnar Rumble. So oh yeah, yeah. Eric Rowan got in. Eric Rowan got in the ring and lasted eight seconds with Brock. Solid work. That's longer than he lasted with the Rock at WrestleMania 32. Mm-hmm. That's something, I guess. How crazy is it that if things uh, if things hold, The Rock's last ever match is going to be against Eric Rowan? It's not good. Let's just say that. Not good at all. All right. So things should start moving. You know, we spent a half hour on the first three entrants. Things should start moving a little bit more fast and furious. Speaking of The Rock, uh, the historical performances <laughs> dropped down dramatically after the first three and really don't pick back up until the... Uh, the, the last five of the Rumble. But this is kind of the meat and potatoes of the show, man. This is stuff I'm really looking forward to, like the random-ass performances from the sixth spot, the eighth spot, whatever. Um, but, Jordan, you good, man? You need a piss break or anything? You ready to power through? Let's keep rolling. All right. So going to the number four spot. So number four fares slightly better than number three. The average finish is around 24th place. There have been four histor- historically notable performances from the four spot. So... There have been two people that we've never had a winner from the four spot, right? So if you do four in the Chick Foley Lotto, or if you got four in some sort of you know pool with your buddies, you know it, I think it could be a good sign, right? Because I think WWE always likes to make history. But as of now, no winners from the four spot. There have been uh, two Ironmen though. So Mr. Perfect did it in 1989 in the first ever 30 man Royal Rumble. This was also the first one that was on pay per view. Hold on a second, I'll pull it up. But he was only in there for 27 minutes. I mean, that's still a long time to be in the match. But, you know, nowadays we're used to what? Like about like 43, 44 minutes, right? Yeah, you got to be getting close to the hour mark to be considered the Iron Man now. And The Rock had a really impressive, like, I mean, he was already a really strong mid-carder. I felt like he broke out to be like damn near main eventer in the 98 Rumble. He lasted from the four spot, and then he ended up being the the runner-up to Steve Austin in 98. Yeah, he wins this if it's not for Austin, because, I mean, overall, this isn't a great Rumble, but, I mean, The Rock and Stone Cold are definitely bringing the star power for this one. 
Yeah, Rock was Intercontinental Champion at the time, and you know they would go from being the the last two members of the Rumble in '98 to main eventing WrestleMania the next year at WrestleMania 15 in 1999. Yeah. And just last year, the first person eliminated from the Royal Rumble was Bobby Roode. Um, I'm really wanting some Dirty Dogs Elites, man. I, I feel like the boat's kind of sailed on that though, since it's they. I feel they haven't really been on TV in almost a year, huh? Dude, I don't remember the last time we saw Bobby Roode. It, it, I'm it, thinking he might be making a big comeback, man. You know, he was a Triple H favorite down in NXT. Like, maybe he just repackages and goes back to the glorious thing. And oh, God. Kinda we couldn't go back that lucky. to the gimmick. Yeah, that was awesome. I just, it, the problem was that was back during that time period in 2017 when he got called up when they were just boiling down the NXT gimmicks to like one note of whatever your character was in NXT. They were picking out like one thing of it. And that was going to be what you were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely unfortunate. All right. So the five spot is a little bit better than four. Your average finish is still going to be around 24th place, but there have been nine historically notable uh, performances. So we did have one winner. One of my favorite rumbles, 1997, Steve Austin wins. That That's a really fun rumble. It's in the Alamo Dome. First time the Rumble was in a, a giant stadium like that. And Austin pretty much cheats to win. You know, it's really kind of the start of Bret Hart getting screwed um, after WrestleMania 12. And uh, Austin sneaks back in and wins this one. Any memories of the 97 Rumble, Jordan? I just remember thinking there was no way that Bret or Austin was going to win because Taker was 30 at this Rumble. Um, I just... I still can't believe Taker didn't win this Rumble, honestly. We had some real characters in here, too. We had fake Diesel in this Rumble. <laughs> real quality stuff. Yeah, we previously mentioned Fake Razor was the first one eliminated from this Rumble. It was in San Antonio, so they had a ton of uh, luchadors in there as well. Yeah, Mill Masters. Really just yeah, this was this was in that weird time period. I mean, I love it. It was probably my favorite time in wrestling, but that weird blend of uh, new gen and the starts of the Attitude Era were all kind of there at once. And yeah, it was just uh, like the Godwins are both in this match. Like it's just, you know, a, a really funny little time capsule of, of the state of WWE at the time. Um, two Iron Man from this spot, Steve Austin. And, and they both kind of had similar performances, man. You had Steve Austin in 97 and Bray in 2015. Both of those got the run where they're just clearing the ring, right? Whoever comes in, they're eliminating them and just waiting on their next opponent. And we had the iconic shot in 97 where Steve Austin sitting on the turnbuckle, checking his watch, and all of a sudden Bret Hart's music hits and Steve Austin just flips out. Yeah, man, both of these both of these guys, Austin and Wyatt, both put on an absolute clinic in their um, rumbles. I really thought Bray was going to win this rumble. I know, I know it wasn't the popular choice, but, dude, he was getting cheered. This is when Roman gets booed out of the absolute building, even with The Rock's blessing. So I, I, yeah. I think if they went back on it, I think they would have Bray win this. Just because, dude, and this is for everybody that's like, oh, Bray can't work very long. Dude, he worked his ass off in this rumble. Yeah, let me check the stats real quick. I mean, that he that's right up there with 99 hour. for worst rumbles ever. And Bray was the only good thing about that rumble. Yeah, he was in the match 46 minutes and 50 seconds. And it came in fifth and finished uh, in basically sixth place. He was the 25th eliminated. This um, is when everybody yeah. wanted Daniel Bryan to win the rumble, too, and he only lasted 10 <laughs> minutes. The crowd literally died the minute he got eliminated. And who eliminated him? Bray Wyatt. Yeah. The crowd literally his ass I was absolutely Avery. shocked when he got eliminated. The crowd just absolutely died at that point of this rumble. Because you knew Roman was winning at that point, yep. man. So, yep. like, they just, you know, they still would have booed Roman at the end if, like, it ended with Roman eliminating Daniel Bryan. But, uh, 
but yeah, they just, you know, they gave the crowd a chance to get nice and rabid by the time Roman came out. Um, there have been from the five spot, there's been six times where the first person eliminated came from that position. Uh, one second, I'm going to look and see where that ranks at all time. So that is, that's third behind number three and number two. This is if, if you're in the five spot, you got a good chance that your ass is getting dumped out first. <laughs> and this is actually the latest. So the the no one past five spot has ever been the first eliminated from the rumble. So if, if you if you draw number six and beyond, you know, you're at least not getting fucking last place. So starting off, we had Jimmy Del Rey in 1995, the previously mentioned rumble that was just, you know, stacked to the fucking rafters with talent. What's your favorite Jimmy Del Rey match, Jordan? It's got to be Royal Rumble 1995. Good choice. We had Bradshaw in 2004, the great Cali in 2009, Santino in 2013. It's a couple of times Santino's appeared in this category. Uh, Jack Gallagher in 2017 and Jeff Hardy of all people in 2021. Yeah, I don't remember Jeff Hardy getting eliminated that fast. That's weird. I don't either. And dude, Jeff was over in 2021, man. I remember on the show, we were calling for him to get another main event push before he ended up, you know, whatever he had when he self-destructed and got released. Cause dude, he was getting huge babyface reactions. I remember at, Smackdown in Norfolk that year in uh, November 2021. Dude, aside from Roman Reigns, Jeff Hardy was the next most over person in, in the building, man. The crowd was just eating up every single thing he was doing. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Jeff again at this point. It sucks, man. It, it really sucks that Jeff Hardy's demons got the best of him. And because, yeah, dude, like you said, he was over. And yeah, we were calling for him to get another title run on this show. So, sucks, man. All right, moving on to number six. So if you are the sixth entrant in the Royal Rumble, historically, you average finishing in 22nd place. There have been four historically notable performances, zero winners from the sixth spot. So that's another one where you could pop the cherry if you uh, if you end up winning from that spot this year. Two Ironmen. Uh, both of these are pretty damn good performances, I remember. I remember Rick Martell lasting forever in 1991. I was kind of just starting to like become a, a you know a tiny little bit of a, of a smart fan in 91 because I it, I knew Rick Martel had some pretty good bangers as a babyface with strike force knew he was a good wrestler but I remember in 91 just being like puzzled like why the hell is the model lasting fucking 45 minutes in the Royal Rumble like he had a, just a hell of a run in 91 and then Kane in 2001 which is one of the all-time rumble performances yeah Kane in 2001 is like one of the most memorable things about in Royal Rumble history just all the guys he tossed in that rumble and then just to come one person short of winning was pretty shitty for him but definitely an awesome showing so as Jordan mentioned Kane was the runner-up that year in that legendary rumble and then one person had the shortest time in that dog shit 99 rumble Gilbert came in at number six and had the shortest amount of time in the rumble oh Dwayne Gill Dude, if they brought Goldberg back for another match, how good would it be if they dug Dwayne Gill up and we actually had Goldberg versus Gilbert? Just <laughs> just see him just spear the shit out of him like fucking five times. Oh, God, that would be fantastic. But he has to come off the sparklers and everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's got to, yeah, he's got to really get Goldberg fucking pissed. <laughs> All right, so the seven spot, that's kind of a dead area, man. You're going to be, average finish is 22nd place. Only two notable performances from the seven spot ever, both in 2009 by the same person. It was a two for one special. In 2009, from the seven spot, Triple H was the Iron Man and the runner up. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I think this is, uh, if I remember right, this isn't a great rumble either. Um, it's got good people in it. It's just, I don't know. For some reason, the rumbles every once in a while just don't flow very well. And I feel like this was one of them. 
The eighth spot, similar, so a little bit better chances. Your, your finish is going to be 20th, a little bit better than 7th. Again, only two notable performances, though. So going back to 2009, that one that you said was kind of clunky, Randy Orton won that year from the eighth spot, and Batista was the Ironman in 2008, which was actually a really good rumble. I think he ended up being uh, like last three with him, Cena, and uh, Triple H in 2008. Yep. He was the Ironman that year. Yeah, that was a good one. Number nine, another dead spot. One notable performance in 1994. Billy Gunn spent the shortest amount of time in the Rumble. Oh, Dude, you, where you, in the blue hell are our smoking gun figures? I don't know, man. That's definitely, yeah, we're missing those for sure. I mean, dude, like, yeah, it's such an easy figure to do, man. It'd be perfect for the Legends line. It wouldn't, it's not a lot of deco. A couple guys in blue jeans, give them a vest and some cowboy hats. We're good to go. Like, Bart Gunn, literally, man, like, there have been a lot of people who have way less, like, you know, significance that have so many more figures. Like, it just blows my mind that Bart Gunn only has one figure. How was he never made by Jax all those years? Dude, that, that's a great question and one I don't have the answer to. I don't work for Jax, so wish I could tell you the answer to that one, Seth. I think it kind of lends credence to that old story that he really pissed a lot of people off backstage when he won Tough Enough. Here's my thing. If can we just get a Bart gun with uh, butter being like, dude, just peel the bandaid off and give us that at least. <laughs> that would be cool. Butter being with the elite articulation. All right. Number 10. So 10 is a much better spot to come into. Seven, eight, nine. You're pretty damn well fucked. 10 a good spot to come in at, though. So there have been six historically notable uh, performances in this one. Average finish is going to be around 21st, 20th place. But there is a winner from this one, Seth Rollins in 2019. Obviously, you guys know how much I love Seth. And that had a really cool ending where he curb stomps um, Braun Strowman on the ring apron to to end it. Uh, he was the Iron Man that year also. And get this. This is one of the name, one of the names I did not expect to show up in like the highlight section. In the year 2000, Royal Rumble, Test, of all people, was the Iron Man. Hell yeah. What's wrong with Test? Test is the man. I mean, Test is pretty good, man. I feel like in another, I feel like he was just in the wrong place. Like they were just so loaded with talent at that time. Like Test could have been Diesel. You know what I mean? Not that I think Test is as good a performer as Kevin Nash, but I think that he definitely could have had a, a similar career arc, you know? Dude, he was the Iron Man with, at 26 minutes. The next closest was Gangrel. I guess Gangrel did 23, but everybody else was under 20 minutes in that rumble. Good yeah, God. Yeah, this is the peak of the Vince Russo era where work rate, like there was never, early 2000 was the time where work rate mattered the least in the history of WWF, I'd say. Pretty bad. Test does have the best best big boot of, of all time. I'll die on that hill. Dude, his big boot looks like it could kill you. It was like a big boot, super kick, combo platter type deal. It was quality. All right. And we have three people that had the shortest amount of time in the Rumble from the 10 spots. You had the Hurricane in 2004, Sylvan in 2006. Jordan, I'm going to hit you with it, man. What's your favorite Sylvan match? Sylvain Grenier. Uh, I think he wrestled Tatanka in that same year, if I'm correct, but I could be wrong. All right. So get on YouTube and look up Sylvain and Tatanka and Epico in 2012. Quality. All right. Moving on to... Number 11. A number 11 is not a good spot to be in. The only, so they, they, you do got a decent shot at having finished in the middle of the pack, right? Average finish is 19th place. There's four historically notable performances, and all of them were for the shortest time in the Rumble. So <laughs> you got Owen in 95, which that was, you know, Brett came out, wasn't even in the match, and, and dumped Owen right away. 
Bull Buchanan in 2003, James Ellsworth 2017, and Seamus in 2018. Jesus. Owen, Bull Buchanan, James Ellsworth, and Seamus. What a faction. That is definitely a pathetic number. I hope you didn't get 11. <laughs> Worse than number 11 is number 12, man. So number 12, <laughs> average finish is 20th spot, 20th place, which is whatever. Zero notable performances, man. There's absolutely nothing historic about coming in 12th in the Rumble. Let me kind of run through and see who this Tito Santana, Red Rooster, Undertaker came in. Undertaker was in that spot in 91. Timothy Well was in the 10th spot in 95. Yeah. Triple H in 97. You got Kurgan. In 2001, the Honky Tonk Man was out at this spot. Uh, just not a good. Let's see who it was the last three years. Last three years, it was Rico- Ricochet's been at the last two years, and MVP was it in 2020. So, yeah, 11 is not a spot you that, like I said, we're kind of in the dead area where it's just throwaways, man. Or, excuse me, 12 is a spot you don't want to be in. Um, let's go to 13. Uh, one notable performance on this one Booker T spent the shortest time in in 2006. Any memories of this, Jordan? No, I'm guessing he probably got eliminated right after doing the spinner Rooney or something. So, Sounds about right. Yeah, some something goofy like that. Average finish it from the 13th spot is going to be about 18th place. 14. All right, we're back to hitting some winner winner chicken dinners. All right, so the 14th spot, you come in 14th, you're going to be looking at finishing around 17th place in the Rumble. The winner, 2018, Shinsuke Nakamura. This was a really fun Rumble. This was a great Rumble. Um, I still wish they would have done more with Nakamura this year, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened to Nakamura, man. Because, you know, he won this Rumble, but that was after we saw him fail to get the belt from fucking Jinder Mahal like three times. Yeah, dude, it just it didn't seem like Swag Suke hit the same on the main roster. Him in NXT was just like unstoppable. Like the entrance, the showmanship, just everything about it. For some reason, dude, it just never translated to the main roster. I don't I don't know why. I think he worked better as a special attraction. You know, this was back during the golden era of NXT when it was the one hour on Wednesday on Wednesday nights. And you didn't see Shinsuke every week and he was hardly ever on the mic. Whereas, you know, he gets on the main roster. You're seeing him every single week and he's on the mic most weeks. And, you know, he just it's not the strong suits of his game, man. He's all about the, the presence and the, and the in-ring performance. And, uh, you know, sadly, I feel like a lot of that got stripped away on the main roster. Yeah. Yeah, two people that spent the shortest time in the Rumble from the 14 spot, Hercules in 1992 and MVP in 2010. Yeah, that's right. uh, two notable characters. <laughs> All right, we are about to be halfway through with the Rumble, the 15th spot. So the average finish is 16th place. So, you know, kind of you're finishing about where you're entering at. Five historically notable performances. So from the 15th spot, Bam Bam Bigelow was actually the Iron Man, even though he entered halfway through the Rumble in 94. Um, two runners up, Roman Reigns in 2014, which is really crazy because if you go back and watch, the crowd is on fire for Roman to win that Rumble. And then the very next year, he gets booed out of the place when he wins it. <laughs> they picked the wrong year. N- notable uh, WWE botch. Like, uh, especially when Braun was so over. WWE is always a year late on getting people the title. Yeah, yeah. They never, they, they rarely hit it right at the peak, man. Um, and then Rusev, you know, speaking of the 2015 Rumble, Rusev was the runner-up that year. You know, he was hiding under the ring and came out for Roman to dump him at the end. Good God. Yeah, real quality when you're hiding under the ring. 
<laughs> two people spent the shortest time in uh from, from this position we had no way jose in 2019 then going back taz in 2001 and i want to pose a question to you we really don't talk about taz is you know we're a really we talk about all wrestling but i'd it's safe to say we're wwe centric and his run was kind of just blinking you miss it and they're on the main roster i remember how awesome this dude was in ecw do you think he is is there a case for him being the most wasted free agent signing in WWE history? The worst thing is, is it started off so well, dude. Him and Angle in his first match was phenomenal. And then it just, I don't know, man. This dude was so underused. I i think his biggest problem was Vince at this time was, I mean, Vince has always been into big dudes. Taz is not a big dude. He's just a tiny guy and um, absolutely awesome. All the fans loved him, but Vince has got to love you too. If he would have came in mid '90s, he would have been okay. But I feel like early 2000s, it was starting to go back to kind of like the the '80s, like freaking big dude season, you know, like just a big freaking guys built like a fucking barn door. Well, yeah, I mean, look who wins those rumbles. Like it's, I mean, it's pretty telling. Yeah, um, we just, dude, I love Taz. I remember getting WrestleMania 2000 on N64, oh, and the yeah. first thing I did was spend like two hours making Taz on Creative Player. Dude, Taz, just his suplexes and stuff. I mean, he was the human suplex machine, so that tells you all you need to know about him. Just absolutely You know what I never awesome. understood about that? They call him the human suplex machine, but there's no such thing as an actual suplex machine, so why did they need to say human? Why couldn't he just be the suplex machine? I don't know, man. That's a good question. That You're overthinking it, I think. <laughs> All right, we're halfway through the rumble. Let's go to the 16 spot. So again, you're kind of gonna. You're, there's not a lot of change here on where you enter and where you finish at. Average finishes, uh, 15th place on this one. Six historically notable performances. So we recently had our first winner from the 16 position in 2021, Drew McIntyre. I think that was one time where you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, talking about Roman in 2015 and being a year late. I think they hit Drew right on time. Yeah, this was perfect timing for him. Still sucks this had to happen when it did, as opposed to... He didn't get his big moment. Yeah, yeah dude. It, it just... It, lamest WrestleMania ever. God, dude, it was. Yeah, and he was also the Iron Man that year, so that was the year that Brock came in number one. I still don't... I never really... Because, again, I was gone when that was all that was going down. What was the point of Brock coming in at number one and being the Rumble? Just to show his dominance over everyone? Yeah, was there any, like... No, uh, it, like it objective was, to him doing that. No, it was just basically for Vince to show off how good Brock is and show his dominance, and then finally have Drew get over on him. All right, so listen to these names. There have been four people that came in at the 16 spot. Oh, spent the shortest time in the Rumble. You got the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor in '93, Mo from Men on a Mission in '95, Squat Team number two in 1996. What's your favorite Squat Team match, Jordan? I don't even remember this, so it has to be uh, Royal Rumble 1996. Do you remember the squat team? No, I don't. That's what I just said. I don't even know so who this you, is. Google image real quick. Just Google image WWE squat team. Not the SWAT team. We're not talking the Samoan SWAT team right here. We're talking the squat team. The head. While Jordan's looking up that, I'll tell you guys, oh, 2014, great Collie also. I do remember these guys. Dear God. Yeah. <laughs> they came in back-to-back in the 96 Rumble. I don't remember them being around. I'm assuming they were probably just on a couple house show circuits because I don't remember them at all on TV. Uh, and this was kind of like my peak of just being, you know, absorbing all WWE content possible. Oh, they were in ECW. That's why they were the headhunters in ECW. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, this was still my favorite match of them. 
All right, so back into uh, another dead spot. 17th average finish is going to be around 16th place. Only two notable performances, and they were both for having the shortest time. You had Shelton Benjamin in 2008, and then The Godfather in a little nostalgia spot in 2013. The hose. <laughs> All right, 18. We're back into you got a little bit of juice for 18. So average finish on this one, you're going to be uh, in 13th place. At coming in for the 18th spot, four notable performances. We had the winner in 1996, Shawn Michaels. He went back to back after winning in 95. This was also notable for being the first Rumble with entrance music. I feel like that added so much to it. Oh, 100%. Just the having some music going as opposed to just dead air made it so much more exciting, I feel like. And you knew who was coming through the curtain before they actually got out. For some reason, that actually made it more suspenseful, surprisingly. I'm not sure how that works, but it did. Yeah, I'm still nostalgic for the older ones where you just had the air horn going off and then a couple seconds of silence and then you get the reaction from the crowd. But but yeah, putting the entrance music in there made it so much better, especially, you know, this is in 96. So you're kind of starting to round the curve into the Attitude Era. And so many of those Attitude Era themes had that initial like sound drop to just give you that kind of like Pavlovian response from the crowd, you know? Hell yeah. Shawn Michaels also in 94 was the runner up. Another fun fact here, he is the only ever runner up to finish in 28th place because, you know, this was the Rome or excuse me, to finish in third place, uh, 28th eliminated because this was the year where there were two winners with Lex Luger and Bret Hart tying and two people spent the shortest time in the Rumble uh, from the 18th spot. You had Farouk in 2000 and Simon Dean in 2005. And I got to ask the question again, Jordan, what's your favorite Simon Dean match? So I'm not going to go Simon Dean. I'm going to go when he was Nova. Um, much better as Nova than Simon Dean. So I, I'm not real sure what my favorite match is, but I did like him as Nova. Hmm. Today I was today years old when I learned that Nova was Simon Dean. I'm familiar with Nova. I never even realized he was Simon Dean. I, I've seen the Simon Dean pop up on reading about different stuff and reading about old cards, but I've never actually even seen the guy wrestling a match. Because, again, this was in my, uh, my black period of wrestling. Um, so missed out on that. So huh, good to know. Glad I could right. share that with you. Nineteenth. <laughs> All right, so we're starting to get a little more juice here as we round into the uh, the bottom third of the rumble. So if you come in at nineteenth, you got a good chance of finishing twelfth uh, or higher in the rumble. Two winners from this spot. All right, so in two thousand and thirteen, uh, you had John Cena, and two thousand fifteen, Roman Reigns. It's two pretty quality names. I mean, you're not going to get two better people as your winner. We're going to keep going. Yeah, the 19 spot's good on this one, man. So John Cena was also the runner-up from this spot in 2010. And in 2002, Steve Austin was the Iron Man. So this is the latest entry ever to to be the Iron Man. I guess they were just, you know, nobody felt like putting in the, the minutes in the 2002 Rumble. Yeah, but 2002, Steve Austin came in at 19 and somehow lasted the longest out of everyone in the match. Jesus, 26 minutes was the Iron Man. That's yeah, pretty and then John Cena... John Cena did it in 2010. So, yeah, from the 19 spot, you're looking at Roman, Cena, and Austin as the names that are in the record books. That's, that's You can make a case that's you know 75% of the Mount Rushmore right there. That's definitely first ballot Hall of Famers all around. So I was really surprised by this one, man. The 20 spot, zero notable performances, man. I feel like 20 is a nice round number. Like I feel like if I you know got the legal pad out, you know that's what they said Vince and Pat Patterson always used to book on. I feel like if I got the legal pad, my eyes are just going to be drawn to that number 20, and I'm going to put a, a, you know somebody good in that that's going to do something. I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, that's really crazy. Um, I'm looking back on it now. Matt Riddle last year. I mean, that's a good person. Otis, Carl Anderson, Apollo Crews. Cena, that's a pretty good one. Um, 
God, dude, this is pretty bad. Xavier Woods, Sami Zayn. Yeah, that's crazy, man. One of the final 10 people, and none of them have really even had a chance of winning. Only thing I can think is maybe there's a lot of years where, like, they start to look at it and they're like, maybe the 20 is like the flush spot for anybody who's left who's not quite like main event caliber, you know? Like, fuck, let's, let's stick them in the 20 spot and have them come out. But you think there'd be something there. That's wild. Moving on to 21. So now we're getting into the creme de la creme. These are the spots that, you know, if you're on the old school Royal Rumble drawing, if, you know, you get one of the, the ping pong balls with this number on there, you're feeling pretty good about yourself if you're in the bottom 10, I think. Coming in at 21st, Three notable uh, performances. This no winners from twenty one. You had Steve, you had Bret Hart in nineteen ninety seven, who arguably you know could say he he should have won that thing, right? Steve Austin had been eliminated, but the fans didn't see it. Then he comes back in and dumps Bret. So Bret's the runner up in ninety seven. Drew McIntyre just last year in twenty twenty two was the runner up when Brock came in at thirty and dropped him. And then the shortest time ever, the first ever Rumble, the twenty one spot featured the uh, the man with the shortest amount of time in the match. It was the Warlord. God, that sucks that that's Warlord's record because I, I do love the Warlord. <laughs> Me too, dude. I don't know. I mean, his he, I, obviously he's not Will Ospreay or anything, dude, but like he was decent enough in the ring and he looked like a million bucks, man. Like he had, as far as like straight up powerhouses go, he had one of the best physiques ever. I don't know why. I'm assuming he had to have done some main events with Hogan on the house show circuit, but I don't know why Warlord never really got more of a push on TV. Yeah, two seconds in the Rumble? Like, dude, come on. The Warlord was a brick shit house and gets treated like he's Santino Morella. Yeah. That's th- yeah, that's the shortest ever in the Rumble, though, Santino Morella, just so we're clear. Uh, number 22, the five notable performances from this one. Two winners. All right, in, 20, in 2002, Triple H won. That's when he's, you know, Cody's looking at drawing the parallels to that this year with his big return from injury in time for the Rumble. And then Sheamus in 2012. So I admittedly have never seen this one. This one, Rumble gets a lot of flack. Do you think the 2012 was the worst Rumble ever, Jordan? Let me just read through who was in it real quick. Oh, God, this or is bad. Or if not bad. that, was Sheamus the worst Rumble winner ever? Oh, God, this is bad. Yeah, this is probably the worst Rumble. I don't really remember this one. Yeah, this is bad. Michael Cole was in this Rumble. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst Rumble ever. We'll, we'll just go with that. We'll, we'll let it take over 1999. All right, there have been two runner-ups from the 22 spot. You had Earthquake in 91 and Diesel in 96. I love the ending to that 96 Rumble with Shawn Michaels super kicking Diesel over the top rope. I just thought that was just a really beautiful ending. Yeah, they did a really good job with that one. And then in 97, the King, Jerry Lawler, spent the shortest amount of time in the uh, in the Rumble from the 22 spot. Bret Hart dropped his ass right away. Yep, yep. All right, 23. That has produced two winners, Lex Luger in 94 and Randy Orton in 2017. Um, let's start with Luger, man. What's your thoughts on doing the tie for the uh, the the Rumble winners? Don't love it at all. I think it's just such a cop-out, dude. Royal Rumble needs one winner and one winner only. I just – I'm, I'm like that with every match, though, dude. I hate draws. I hate all that stuff. I just – I want to see a winner and I want to see a loser. There's no there's no draws in wrestling. It ended up working out because WrestleMania 10, I think, is definitely one of the best WrestleManias ever. And it, it worked out for filling out that card. But it was like the most awkward execution ever. Like if, if that happened nowadays, like it would just be like, bam, we're going to do a triple threat match. But this was triple threat matches really weren't a thing yet in WWE. So that's why you had the convoluted setup of, you know, Luger gets to fight Yokozuna first, and the winner fights Bret Hart in the main event. But to make it fair, Bret Hart's got to have just this random one-off match with Owen Hart also on the show. Uh, 
It's really, really weird setup, but like I said, it all worked out to one of my favorite pay-per-views ever. And then Randy Orton in 2017, man, this was when the Wyatt family was kind of at their the, their peak, like the, la- the late stages of the Wyatt family. Um, it came down to Randy, Bray, and Roman. And uh, Randy kind of gets the win out of nowhere. I remember this one, it, it got telegraphed if you were on like the dirt sheets because randomly, you know, Randy Orton wasn't even really being mentioned or thought of as being somebody that was going to win the belt or win the Rumble because this is before Bray won the championship that year. Um, and it was like the day before the Rumble. All of a sudden it came out that the betting odds shifted and Randy Orton was suddenly like a heavy favorite to win the Rumble. There was like a period there for about two years where somebody, some insider in WWE was laying big money on these matches. Dude, look at the last 10 people in that Rumble. So Bray, Apollo Crews, Randy Orton, Ziggler, Luke Harper, Lesnar, Enzo, which doesn't belong in there, Goldberg, Undertaker, and Roman. God damn, dude. That is a stacked final 10. Dude, you say that Enzo was over like fucking Rover that year, man. Go back and watch when Enzo yeah, okay. makes his entrance for but, that. But, but when yeah, you mentioned those, though, yeah, those people. <laughs> Yeah, out of context, yeah. If you if you go back and look at it now, it's like, how the fuck did Enzo end up there? I think it's like a credit to how over he was back then, man. Like, Enzo and Cass were crazy over when they got called up. Yeah, those final 10 people that came out for that Rumble were crazy. Like, that... that yeah, that was a fun one. That was the, the year when uh, when Roman dumped uh, Undertaker out to set up their match at Mania. Yep. <laughs> sure wish we could have avoided that. Yeah, it should have been so much better, man. Unfortunately, Undertaker was just so banged up going into that one. Couldn't really do what he needed to do. WWE put him in a bad spot. They should have gimmicked that match. They shouldn't have sent those guys out there to have like a standard 25-minute main event match. You know what I mean? It should have been a little bit more of a... They should have done something closer to what what Goldberg and Brock did at that mania. Yep, I agree. All right, one runner-up from this spot, 2007, Shawn Michaels. This was arguably the the best finish to a Royal Rumble ever when, I mean, how long did him and Undertaker go back and forth? About six or seven minutes, right? When it was down to just the two of them? Yeah, it was a long time. Um, I just remember not knowing or having any idea who was actually going to win this match because, yeah, dude, it went on a long time. Undertaker was out at number 30. So, yeah, it was it was a great finish. Not a great this- Rumble, but it's still a good finish. Yeah, this was kind of the precursor to their series of matches at WrestleMania in 2009 and 2010, kind of set it up. Uh, and then appearing on the list, I think this is the third time he's appeared in this category. In 2021, the Hurricane was in the Royal Rumble for the shortest amount of time ever from the 23 spot. Stand back. There's the shortest elimination ever coming. <laughs> All right. If you are at the uh, the Royal Rumble bingo popper and you draw the 24 spot, you need to at least get a half chub. It has produced three winners from that position. Very good spot. That's second second ever only to uh, to the 30 spot and the 27 spot. Uh, three winners from 24 spot. You had Hulkster in 1990, Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1998, and The Rock in 2000. Uh, I mean, if you're going to join this list, you're joining a pretty quality list. I mean, fuck Hulk Hogan, the racist piece of shit, but I mean, (laughs) Austin and the rock by themselves. Like if you're joining that list, you're feeling pretty good, you know? Yeah. 24 spots, a good spot to be one runner up from this big show in 2004. God, dude, the, the end of this match still to me is so depressing. Like, obviously we know who won Benoit won. I really thought big show was going to win this rumble. Uh, 
Do you do you remember this, or do you even know how this ends? This was Big Show. This was they did the chin lock spot, yeah. right? Didn't yeah. Benoit put him in a chin lock so and basically he passed was, him out and pulled him over the was, top rope? Yeah, he's basically going for a superplex and instead turned it into a chin lock. Big Show is in the ring and pulled him out of the ring as he passed out as he's going out. So it sucked, man. I really want Big Show to win. Uh, last year we saw Kofi. This was a botch. Kofi actually spent the shortest time in the Rumble from the twenty four spot when he messed up his spot. In some ways, I feel like it actually almost Work. made it a little bit more impressive, the fact that he did miss it, because we know just how difficult and how like non-gimmicked it was when he's done the spots all the years before. But but what do you think? Now that we saw Kofi botch one of these once, is it time to just retire the Kofi spot from the Rumble? Eh, I, I like the fun spots in the Rumble, dude. The Rumble's not supposed to be a wrestling classic by any means, so like a yeah, fun spot here and the there funny is in okay. There, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it more interesting. The I if we could just go on a quick Kofi sidebar, man, I still feel like I feel like Kofi, even though he had the world, the big WrestleMania run, I feel like it's been such a letdown since then because, you know, he had the belt for, you know, a pretty significant amount of time. He ended up with the belt for about seven months and had a solid reign. He had some good matches with with uh, with Randy Orton and a few others during that time. And then, you know, as soon as he lost the belt, he gets squashed by Brock, never makes any type of. It, he never lifts a finger to try to get a rematch or do anything. He immediately went back to just being portrayed as just a tag team wrestler in the New Day, man. And I hate that. I feel like, not saying he could never go back to just, you know, goofing off with the New Day, but he, it just didn't elevate him. You know what I mean? It felt like that whole run was for nothing. It does, dude. I mean, looking back on it, it and I got a bad feeling the same thing's going to happen with Big E. It's just going to be a forgotten time in wrestling. Like, they had their moment. It was kind of a. It was a great moment at the time, and then everything after it was just meh, just kind of mediocre. It was just yeah. there, and there was nothing exciting about it after they actually had their win, which it really does suck. All three of those guys, dude, honestly, now that I think about it, like Xavier wins the King of the Ring, and they did nothing with it. I just, yeah, I, I guess don't get it, I, I don't know if it's just I, – I feel like they're just like pigeonholed, and they've been so successful as a tag team, like – they got a legit case. I mean, whether they're not my favorite of all time, but you could totally make the case that the New Day is the best tag team in the history of wrestling at this point. Um, I feel like maybe it's just like Vince kind of just gives them each a little bit of, or, you know, Vince, Triple H, whoever now. WWE is giving them a little bit of solo shine just as like a thank you, but it doesn't actually change their character. You know, it's just, it's like empty calories as far as for, for a wrestling fan. I mean, you have, um, you, you can easily argue that, I mean, yeah, the Shield is obviously the best three man group ever, but. I mean, you could put the New Day up there. Like, dude, they've been so popular ever since they came in with with the same exact things, dude. Like, it's it's crazy to think about. I mean, we're going on, I can't even think of how many years they've been the New Day. But, dude, it's been popular since the beginning, and it still sells merch. Yeah, 2014. We're we're closing in on a decade, man, of of the New Day. They still sell merch. I give them the nod over the Shield, man. Like, I mean, the the Shield is more significant for... It was an awesome run that they had, but it's just the success that all three guys had once they split up. You know what I mean? New Day's done this shit together. Like when when Kofi Mania happened, Biggie and Xavier were in the ring celebrating with him. Yeah, it's the longevity of it. Like they've been, they've never broke up. They've been together the whole time of that ten years. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. I'll still take it to my grave, man. WWE should have taken my idea. WrestleMania 35 in New York. Oh, God. Kofi Kofi hits Trouble in Paradise on Daniel Bryan. One, two, 
somebody pulls the ref out of the ring. Oh my God, Xavier Woods pulled the ref out of the ring while the ref's distracted. Big E fucking levels Kofi and Daniel Bryan gets the win, man. And the New Day fucking turns on Kofi Kingston. Dude, I think they would have jumped the ring if that would have happened. I think the fans would have stormed the <laughs> ring. There, there was so much goodwill for Kofi, dude. Like, yeah, the fans were right. That was like, that was the, the WrestleMania where they didn't swerve us, dude. Remember the three yep. big baby faces going into it were Seth, Becky, and Kofi. And, and everybody at the time was thinking like, one of them's got to get fucked. Like, there's no way they're going to ha- let us have all three win. And they all three came out with the belts, man. Yeah, th- that's one of the the only times, probably the only time where WWE gave us exactly what we wanted. Yep, and then uh, the next year, the fucking pandemic hit. So that's what happens when WWE gives the fans what they want. The world goes to shit. Fucking pandemic. Fucking Kobe died, the pandemic, fucking everything. After It all came out of that WrestleMania, man. We burn up all our goodwill for like the next two years. Kofi mania turned into fucking pandemic mania. Like, what a shit bird of a year. <laughs> God. <laughs> all right uh let's go on to number 25 surprisingly only two notable performances from this one man in 1990 you had the hulkster winning it and then uh, the runner up in 2005 was john cena and this was the year when vince blew out both quads after cena and batista <laughs> kind of did a replay of luger and brett now you're probably smarter on this event than i am dude was that was Cena? i've never gotten a been able to get like a solid read on this the cena and batista india was that a botch or was that meant to happen i think it was meant to happen just based on the way everything happened after it it looked like it was meant to happen um obviously they didn't script vince blowing his hammies out on the way to the ring I, I'm not kidding you, dude. I don't think I've ever laughed more than I did when Vince blew both his hamstrings out because he just runs into That's the so ring. That's so hilarious, dude. <laughs> just yeah, runs and just dead into there. the ring and then just sits on I think the it was ground. his quads. I think it was he tore his quads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he tore one quad getting into the ring, and then when he tried to get up, he tore the other quad. No, you can tell when he tore him, dude. He runs into the actual ring, like oh, he actually like makes contact. Yeah, I thought no, it was he like makes a, he just con- overexerted himself. No, he makes contact with the actual ring, like you can tell what it happens. And he pulls himself in and realizes, oh shit, pal, this is bad. Goddamn, pal! All right, what'd you pop top on? Oh, so I definitely recommend this. So this is something new. So Blue Moon is starting to branch out and makes a new brew. So. This is Moon Haze. It's by Blue Moon. It's a hazy, juicy IPA. So it's a kind of standard IPA, but brewed with dried whole oranges in the uh, beer. It's delicious, man. So I'm, I, I never, again, never been a huge Blue Moon fan, but I've tried this and their mango wheat. Both really, really good. So yeah, if you get a chance to find Moon Haze at one of your local beer shops, definitely pick it up. What'd you just pop the top on? I popped the top on Belching Beaver, uh, Deftones Phantom Bride Hazy IPA. This beer has got to have a high ABV, dude. This beer is phenomenal. Here's the only problem with it. It's being discontinued, and this is like one of my favorite IPAs. It's a 7.1. There was a uh, O'Connor Brewing in Norfolk had uh, this beer called Surfeza. It was like a... It was like a craft beer uh, version of like Corona, right? It was a Mexican lager, but just like exquisitely well done. It had lime and salt already brewed into the beer, and it was fucking awesome. And I found out they were discontinuing it, and I got them to hook me up. This was one of those breweries that was like five minutes from my house in Norfolk, and I went and bought like the last like 48 that they had. And I remember popping the top on that last one was just like fucking tear in my eye, man. That was one of my all-time favorite beers. I only have two left of these, but I, I decided to pop one tonight just because of what we were doing, and I was so excited for this one, so... Yeah, this is a good one. It's going to be a sad day when I drink the last one. 
<laughs> All right, you ready to move into the final five? You bet. All right, so here we are in the home stretch. Shockingly, the number 26 position has produced zero winners, man. Like, I, that's crazy. But there have been three runner-ups. Big Show in 2000, which a lot... This one's a controversial one, man. A lot of people think that The Rock, they both... It was similar to the uh, the HBK in 1995 finish. A lot of people say, if you go back and watch it, that both feet hit for The Rock. And Big Show is the true 2000 Rumble winner. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their opinion, but... Again, man, why do they always screw the Big Show at the end, dude? What's what's wrong with the Big Show winning the Royal Rumble? Well, that's like the old, you know, the old trope is every time there's some, even though we've never seen one of the gigantic guys win the Rumble, it's always, um, you know, how's anybody going to eliminate this guy? Like every time Mabel or Andre or Braun Strowman would come to the Rumble, and then the guys always get eliminated, man. 2002, Kurt Angle was the runner-up to... um, Triple H, and then in 2020, Roman Reigns. This was during that that stretch of time where it seemed like Roman Reigns was just the go-to silver medalist for the Rumble. Dog food medal. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were trolling the fans, <laughs> right? Because this was the time where everybody just assumed Roman was going to the main event, so they'd always put Roman in a fan favorite as the last two in the Rumble every year. <laughs> uh, shortest time in the Rumble. So this is a guy who's one of the all-time greatest Royal Rumble performers, but in 1990, Shawn Michaels spent the least amount of time in the match from the... Uh, the 26th position, and then Titus O'Neil did it in 2015. I mean, we don't need to spend much time on Titus O'Neil, but Shawn Michaels yeah. being on this list is a travesty. Titus O'Neil's greatest rumble moment came at the greatest Royal Rumble when he almost split his freaking head open when he tripped running down to the ring full speed. That's his only moment, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's sprinting down a ramp like he's running the 40 at the fucking draft combine and then just fucking clips the <laughs> ring apron. And I'm telling you, dude, like Steve Austin was breaking down on his podcast. Like if he would have fallen forward another like six or seven inches, dude, that would have been fucking bad news, man, because that's a big guy coming down full speed. And we know from hearing Michael Cole, man, that apron's the hardest part of the ring. Oh, dude, he's extremely lucky that nothing worse came out of this. I mean, yeah, now it just looks like a big goof spot. But, dude, if he would have hit his head on the apron, that would have been uh, an ugly scene. All right, so we talked about if you draw number, uh, which one was it? We talked about if you draw number 22, you're getting a, or 24, you're getting a half chub. If you draw number 27, you're getting a fucking boner like the Statue of Liberty, man. There have been, this is tied for the best spot in the Rumble. Four winners from the 27 spot, man. Uh, Big John Stud in 1989, the first ever Rumble. He got it. 1993, we saw Yokozuna win. This was the first year when the winner of the Royal Rumble would go to WrestleMania to fight for the championship. Do you remember the finish of this Rumble, Jordan? Which one, 93? Yeah. No. So Macho Man, it comes down to Macho Man and Yokozuna. Macho Man hits the flying elbow drop on Yokozuna and then inexplicably tries to cover him. He tries to pin him and Yokozuna presses him and Macho Man goes flying over the top rope and gets eliminated. Like, I want to know where does where does Macho Man <laughs> trying to pin Yokozuna to win the Rumble rank on your wrist your list of dumbest moves in uh, wrestling history? I mean, this might be worse than being thrown out in one second. Honestly, if we're being completely honest, like what the hell was Macho Man thinking? What, what kind of drugs did he have before the show to think that that was going to work? You know what sucks about it, man? Uh, looking back at that Rumble, obviously we love Yokozuna, right? Oh. No, no, no heat on Yokozuna whatsoever. But you could still have given Yokozuna his title win down the road. Imagine if Macho ends up winning, getting Yokozuna out, and we get Macho Man versus Bret Hart to main event WrestleMania 9. Ooh. 
think about what that does to change the trajectory of, you know, how WrestleMania 9 is looked at historically. Because like I said, you could still have Yokozuna going over strong. And Yokozuna could even get the belt from Brett at King of the Ring or SummerSlam or something, man. I feel like that's a real fork in the road moment in wrestling. Like, And honestly, like, you know, as a, a Brett being my all-time favorite, I feel like that's a match. If they would have done that, they could have took Brett up even another notch. Because you know that match would have been a banger, dude. You know that would have been an all-time classic. And I'm picturing Brett you know, somehow winning a really hard-fought battle against him to retain the belt. I feel like that just would have put Brett over so strong um, and just been a really incredible moment, man. But, you know, we had to, you know, Hogan had to pose, so we had to have Hogan come in and do the original cash-in at WrestleMania. Hogan must pose. (laughs) All right, speaking of Brett, 1994, (sighs) Brett won. I think this is my most wanted Brett figure right now, man, with the splatter paint all over it. You know, this was the night Owen kicked his leg out of his leg, and then he comes back to Ty Luger. Because you're too damn uh, really selfish. You're too damn selfish. All you had to do was tag me, Brett, but you're too damn selfish. <laughs> and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs> this, is, and too- this is his best gear. I, I think oh, yeah. this is one of my favorite gears he ever wore. Yeah, it's sick, man. I, I, I'm sure we're going to get it sooner rather than later. And then 2001, Austin won. This was, you know, peak Steve Austin. He comes back from the neck injury, uh, and he's on his way to WrestleMania 17, the biggest WrestleMania ever to, to face the Rock for the championship. One runner-up from this spot, Braun Strowman. Uh, we talked, we touched on it briefly earlier. Jordan, give us your opinion, man. Where did the WWE go wrong with Braun? So. Uh, when he was originally over, I can't remember the exact year. You probably remember it better. 2017. That's when he should have gotten his push and actually got the title. I feel like him getting the title at that point would have changed his career trajectory because when he actually finally did win the title, it meant almost nothing at that point. Like nobody cared. It just, WWE is famous for not striking why the iron's hot and waiting too long. And I just feel like, dude, that, that's part of it is him not winning it at that point. People just kind of fell off the brawn train. And when he finally did win it, nobody cared. Yeah. He had this big match with, um, with Brock for the belt at no mercy, 2017. It seemed like he was going to win it, man. Like I said, he was the most over baby face on the roster. And for whatever reason, dude, Brock went over with one F five, you know what I mean? Kind of made Braun look like a chump. And then, it wasn't until the lame WrestleMania in the Performance Center that Braun finally beats a stale Goldberg to, to win the Universal Championship. God, that sucks, man. Braun had so much potential, too, and they just they ruined it, man. They ruined it, damn it. They God ruined damn it. it. <laughs> and then somehow, this just goes to show you how Royal Rumble booking has evolved over the years. Shortest time in the Rumble at the 27th spot. In 1991, <laughs> they put Bushwhacker Luke in the 27th spot. Isn't this where he like comes in, gets thrown out, and does the Bushwhacker walk right back? Yeah, he, he does the Bushwhacker walk through the entrance, comes in the ring, <laughs> does the Bushwhacker walk across the ring, and when he gets close to the opposite ropes, Earthquake just dumps him like a sack of potatoes, and he never even breaks stride. He just does the Bushwhacker <laughs> walk right to the back. What a performer. I mean, it's a really, it's really great moment, but it's just it's an interesting choice for the 27th spot. What a performer. All right, the 28, two, there have been two winners from this position, both the same guy, Batista in 2005 and 2014, one from the 28 spot. Blue-tista. Yeah, he was Boo-tista in 2014, man. That was the year when everybody wanted Daniel Bryan, and he got he was supposed to be a babyface and gets booed out of the building and ends up turning heel off of this one finish. Was not great. Definitely was not a great moment. Um, Batista definitely is going to go down as one of the better big men ever. Um, but 
pretty crazy, dude. He's only won it twice, and it's from the same exact spot. Roman was the runner-up in 2018. This was the year with Shinsuke. And then, once again, appearing on this list, Santino Morella was the uh, shortest amount of time in the Rumble in 2009. <laughs> Good God. Santino Morella and the Hurricane. You can count on them for two things. Coming into the ring and being thrown out immediately. <laughs> this is the shortest time ever, too. This is one second. Let me see what Wikipedia... I was going off Wikipedia for all my notes. What did Wikipedia have it as? I mean, you put it in the notes as one second. One second? Okay, yeah. That was shortest time ever. Then. I mean, it gets no shorter than that. So, yeah. Good on you, Santino. All right. Last two spots. 29. We've had two winners from the 29 spot. Brock won it in 2003 and Edge in 2010. I don't really got any big memories from either one of these rumbles. How about you? No, but you can't just skip over the fact that you're coming in 29 and your average finish is fifth. That's pretty pathetic. Actually, it is pretty bad. Yeah, twenty nights kind of uh, you're kind of clearing the deck. You typically like you know they usually end up stacking it with about anywhere from like six to like ten people at the very end. So if you're twenty nine, you de- you definitely just kind of in the mix because they almost always have somebody big for the number thirty spot. Yeah, it's pretty bad that your average finish is fifth place from the second to last spot. But yeah, I got no memories of either one of these. Making his first appearance on the list. There were three runner-ups from the 29 spot. We have Sid in 1992. This is when that bitch Hulk Hogan fucked over Sid. Sid eliminates Hulk fair and square. Was probably on his way to eliminating a highly fatigued Ric Flair and becoming WWF champion for the first time. And Hulk fucking grabs onto Sid's wrist and helps Ric Flair eliminate him to to give Flair the belt, man. Uh I remember just being like, what the fuck as a kid? Because I was still a Hulkamaniac in 92, but I could I was already old enough at, to, to kind of see like, damn, that was kind of messed up there, Hulkster. Uh, what's kind of your overall thoughts on Sid as a performer, Jordan? Dude, I love Sid. I, I never really feel like he got his deserved due. Um, this should have probably been it for him, um, going to WrestleMania and fight for the title. But I don't know, man. It's, just, it's kind of a mixed bag with him. Like, he was a great performer as a big man. Um, I always felt like the Psycho Sid character always kind of resonated with me. Like, I mean, the dude literally looked like he would kill you in a back alley. So, uh, yeah, I just I, I feel like it was an incomplete for as far as his career goes. Yeah, I agree. We know he had his obsession with softball, right? Which I can respect that, man. I, I love fishing and stuff, dude. So I would love to just be able to take off work when I fucking wanted to and just go fishing for a few months. But it seemed like that was always kind of, it's, it's become a little bit of a joke now. But that's why Sid never really had any extended runs. You know, he was typically around WWE for, you know, six, eight, nine months at a time. And then he'd disappear for a few months because he was going off to play with some softball team somewhere. But I thought Sid was awesome. I think. It seems like people are coming around on him a little bit, man. I think he definitely, though, for a long time, like you said, he was one of the really kind of um, underappreciated guys because he's obviously he's not, you know, he's not a luchador. He's not the great mood or something like that. But for what he did, he executed very well. He had an awesome presence and just a charisma, right? Like he had he was decent enough on the mic. He had a lot of unintentionally funny moments, but he was good at being like super intense and scary. And I just thought he really executed his character to the fullest, man. Whether he was Sid Vicious in WCW, Sid Justice that first time with WWF, or we're coming back as Psycho Sid. I thought I thought he rocked. I always look forward to, to a Sid match coming up on an old pay-per-view I'm watching. Yeah, and he was the master and the ruler of the world. Yeah, he had and he had uh he was twice the man that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall was, but he had half the brains that they had. And his leg snapped like a turkey leg. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, speaking of which, I can't remember if Sheena mentioned on the pod last night. We're getting turkeys this year, dude. So be ready for that. We may have them by the time you guys come out for WrestleMania. So be ready for some little baby turkeys running around. Looking forward to it. All right. Also runner up 2008 Triple H. That was the year Cena came back. We'll get to that in a sec. Chris Jericho in 2012. And there's been one person that spent the shortest amount of time in the Rumble from the 29 spot. That was The Miz in 2007. That's very early in his career. (laughs) You ready to finish this thing up, man? I am. All right, so the number 30 spot. This says tied for the most winners with 27, and this has the third most historically notable performances um, after spots one and two. So we'll kick it off with the winners, man. Four winners uh, for from the number 30 spot. And they didn't do this for a long time, man, which, you know, the 30 spots really had a resurgence over the last decade and a half. You In kayfabe, it's automatically should be, you know, 30 spots should be the betting favorite every year. But we didn't have a winner until 2007 when The Undertaker got it from the 30 spot. And they went back to back. John Cena got it in 2008 with the big shocking return. Triple H in 2016, another kind of surprise appearance. And then Brock last year, the one you were in the house for. Yeah, it... These usually are surprise returns. Um, well, Brock wasn't last year. People tried to act surprised when he came out, but everybody knew it was coming. But the Cena return, dude, this is this is probably one of my favorite Royal Rumble moments just because nobody thought he was coming back. I mean, he was three months removed from a torn pack. The fact that he came back and won was incredible, and the entrance was crazy. The crowd was insane at this one. So, yeah, it was a good moment. Yeah, for me, it's tied for my favorite John Cena moment ever. His return at the 2008 Rumble and his ring entrance at ECW One Night Stand in 2006. That's my two favorite Cena moments. Yeah, those are good ones. All right, the 30 spots also produced seven runners-up. So in 1989, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase... 1990, Mr. Perfect. 93, Macho Man, we talked about before. 2003, The Undertaker. 2006, Randy Orton. 2013, Ryback. Was a freaking runner up. Listen to that list. Million Dollar Man, Mr. Perfect, Macho Man, Undertaker, Randy Orton, and the Ryback. And Roman Reigns. Yeah. One of these things is not like the others. It's not good. Not good at all. And then... Closing it out in 2002, I think this was kind of just to complete the the total burial of the WCW ECW alliance. Booker T spent the least amount of time in the Rumble from the 30 spot. Yeah, also not good. Yeah, and that's it, dude. That is the Rumble by the numbers. Jordan, we did it, man. We actually did it in an hour and 25 minutes, man. That wasn't bad. Um, I... I, we definitely could have went longer on every person, but like we said, we just kind of wanted to run through this with you guys and have some fun with it. And I feel like we did a pretty good job. Seth didn't mumble too many words. I, I'm not too drunk yet, so I feel like we did pretty well on this. I mean, all things considered. I, I kind of I cut down on the wrestle math after the first few because I could tell it was a it was going to be a mouthful, dude. If I was going to do the wrestle math all the way through, I felt like it was going to run together and like you know. If anybody's wanting details, feel free to hit us with a follow-up on the the comments, whether on Sheena's Instagram post or in the Facebook group, and and we could dive deep on it. But I figure unless somebody's sitting there with a notepad or something, I'm, I didn't think it was adding a lot. So that's why I, that, that definitely helped out on speeding it up. But but yeah, like I said, this is something we'd want to do for a while, put a ton of uh, research into it, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Jordan, we do got some listener mail, though, man. Are you ready for some uh, some questions from the listeners? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let me pull these up if my Facebook app will cooperate. 
All right, we'll start it off with the man, the myth, the legend, Tony Barker. What are your thoughts regarding a mid-carder or a dark horse coming out on top in the Royal Rumble match? Could this be done to get a new star over, or should the winner always be a top guy or gal? I feel like this would be a great opportunity to get someone over. I feel like they don't they don't use it that way at all. I mean, it, if you look at the history of it, it's almost always somebody that's already established, right? Um I do feel like it would be awesome. Well, I mean, shit, we got our chance this year, dude. Sami Zayn wins it. I mean, he's definitely not a main eventer right now, so he'd be about as close as you got to a mid-carder at this point to win in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think it's a little bit trickier now with the belts back unified. I think they're in the various time periods where there have been two world championships. That's the perfect time to do it because you could still tell your traditional WrestleMania main event storyline with whoever um, – with whoever, you know, whichever championship doesn't get, you know, pursued by the Rumble winner. And then you could have that mid-carder that gets immediately elevated. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a great way to do it if that's the way to go. I don't know if they're going to do it this year or not, though, with it being WrestleMania in L.A. We talked about it a lot on the show last night. We'll, you know, we still don't really know exactly which direction we're going for the main event at Mania this year, what what the end game is going to be for Roman. Um, but Sammy would be an interesting choice and would definitely fit the bill for a dark horse. All right, Chris Foreman, we just talked about this one a second ago. When Vince blew out his legs when hitting the ring, do you think his NDAs were a little less frequent afterwards? I don't think so, but God, that was a great moment. I feel like if anything, they'd be more frequent because it's only so much you can do if you're stuck in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I imagine you could still screw. Laid up on a bed. Maybe a little bit creative on the positions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, who cares if you got both legs in a cast like your willy still works? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, So, yeah, I think our answer is no on that one, Chris. All right. Zach Hertzler, do you think we will ever have a wrestling World Cup tournament involving stars from WWE, AEW, and New Japan pro wrestling? No. I just, I find it very hard to believe that three owners of a company are going to get together and be like, here, we'll do it a fair way. We'll split proceeds, everything like that. It's just never going to happen, man. I mean, there's there's no sport in the world that this has ever happened. There's, it's just not going to happen. There, that's too many, too many guys swinging around their meat thinking that they're the big shot. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I think we're closer to it than we have been in the last five or ten years. Triple H would definitely be open to it, assuming he stays in creative control. And WWE, and we know Nick Khan's just about making money. So I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's as long shot as Jordan does. I still think it's, it's unlikely in the next year or so. I think talent sharing could definitely happen. I could yeah. totally see more scenarios where you have, um, you know, you have WWE guys showing up. On, we've already seen, you know, we saw Shinsuke at, at Pro Wrestling Noah here recently. Yep. I think you see New Japan guys coming to WWE and vice versa. And Tony Khan said he's open to it. I think Tony Khan would jump at it if they want to do a little talent exchange with WWE. But as far as the joint card goes, yeah, just be tricky. You gotta you gotta figure out how the money's gonna be split, and then more importantly than that, who's going over? How do you keep all three? You know, I think you know it, those are the the big three in the world right now. How do you keep all three organizations looking strong, dude? Back in the eighties, there was something similar. There was a, a super card that was held between AWA, NWA, WCCW down in Texas, and it ended up being a mess, dude. Business wise, it wasn't a success. And ended up with Jerry Lawler kind of low-key stealing the AWA championship um, and and basically holding it hostage in Memphis for a few months. Uh, Imagine, just for a minute, imagine we did this and the main event was Roman versus Kenny versus Okada. Which one of those owners is going to be like, all right, man, I'm good with my guy taking the pin? 
Because it ain't going to be Triple H is going to be okay with Roman taking the pin. I can assure you that uh, New Japan is not okay with Okada taking. I a think pin. Kenny's taking that pin. I see. I it, honestly, dude, I see. I see that Matt. If they did that, man, in my mind, I'm some scenario where Roman and Okada both pin Kenny at the same time. Like it's all three guys are laid out, and they somehow get a finger on him. Then you do Roman and Okada down the road, just because <laughs> I think they're both a half step above Kenny. Okada's just on another level. Yeah, would be cool though, man. It's a great idea. Um, you know, I just I wonder how you'd execute it uh, at the current, you know, with the current climate and stuff. Be tough. All right, let's see what we got next. All right, Sam Bro says, "Do you guys think the Rumble should open or close the pay per view?" I think it just depends. I think uh, it's I, I'm cool with either one. I think it really depends on what the World Championship match is at the Rumble. If the if the winner of the world championship match is going to telegraph who's winning the rumble, then you need to do the rumble first. If it doesn't, then I, I try to keep the rumble in the main event, unless there's something else on the card. That's basically going to like give away who's winning the rumble. You know, I feel like I agree with what you just said, but I feel like if the rumble is not the main event, it takes away a little bit from the event. Cause I mean, the event is the Royal rumble and the rumble is the match that, that made it. So I feel like if you're doing the sign pointing thing, which WWE is in love with now, that needs to be the end of the show. Like that needs to be what what you see when the show goes off air. Let's go back and take a look, man. So in '96, I remember Bret and Undertaker was the main event. They they went after the Rumble, which I mean that's yeah. Bret and Taker. So I'm not going to complain about no. that going on after. 97, they put Sean and Sid on mm-hmm. after the Rumble, which that was when the Rumble was in the. Um, in the Alamo Dome, the whole reason for being there was to see Sean win the belt back from Sid. I think that's that's okay. You can get with that. Ninety eight, it was Sean and Undertaker in a casket match. It ended with Kane setting the Undertaker on fire in a casket. Like Damn, that's got to go on last. Three years in a row, it went on last. Yeah, but then I'm looking. I don't know when the next time they did it was. Man, I think in two thousand six. I think Undertaker and Kurt Angle was the main event after the Rumble. Um, yeah, the most they haven't done it recently. The yeah, majority of the was, time, it, the Rumbles last. It was really just a three-year stretch. I can't really speak to the Undertaker and Kurt Angle. I'm assuming that's probably when they want to have back. But Brett Taker, Sean and Sid in San Antonio, and Sean and Undertaker in a casket match. Like, I can't really complain with those being the main event. So I, I guess it really just if you got just a straight up fucking bang up main event that it has to go or, or World Championship match that has to go on last. I I wouldn't complain about it. But I agree with Jordan in general. The Rumble needs to be the focus of the show. All right. Zach Hertzler says, are there any certain beers you have on the menu to drink during the Rumble? I do not, man. Um, I'll probably go to the liquor store on Friday, pick some new ones out, but I don't have anything that's on the docket as of right now. So I'm going to be doing a little Smokey and the Bandit action on Saturday, man. I actually got to go down to Dallas-Fort Worth for work on Friday, and I'll be finishing up Saturday morning at about 11, and it's a little bit under an eight-hour drive, which if you know if I time up my, my gas stops smooth, uh, no hiccups, no, no traffic, I should be walking in the front door right around the time that the, uh, the, the main show is kicking off. And I'm thinking I'm going to do some Jameson, man. I think I'm going to go with the hard stuff, dude. After fucking eight hours on the road and being out of town for a couple of days, man, I think I'm going to come back and go with some, some Jameson ginger ale and lime. And I think that's what I'm going to drink during the rumble. Nice. 
All right, let's go to Johnny JB. Is there a winner of a Rumble where you were legitimately, legitimately mad or happy that they won? So let's start off. Let's go mad first. Who's one that made you ha- made you mad, and then we'll go with one that made you glad, Jordan? 91, when Hogan won the Royal Rumble instead of Earthquake. Complete garbage. As a seven-year-old, you were wanting Earthquake to beat Hulk? Hell yeah. Bro, we would have been fighting if I was at your house, dude. I <laughs> fucking hated Earthquake just, for what he did to Hulk. I'm just kidding. Like, looking back oh. on it, that's why I was mad. Like, as an adult, that's why I'm mad about it. I can't speak to when I was a kid, dude. When I was a kid, I barely even knew what I was doing. I was probably eating my boogers while I was watching the fucking <laughs> wrestling match. Um, happy... I don't, dude. I mean, Cena coming back. Like, I, I keep going back to that, but dude, that was a happy moment for me. Ray winning the Rumble was a really happy moment for me. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I, uh, in 1994, I remember being pissed that they made it a tie and then just have Brett and Lex Luger go to like fucking overtime or something, right? Like, why does. Why does Brett get to just, uh, you know, why, why is it a tie? Like, when when do you ever have ties in sports, right? Like, they didn't have a tie at the Ironman match at WrestleMania 12, right? But when it was convenient to screw over Brett, sure, make it a tie. I was mad about that one. Um, as far as Glad goes, I'd probably say 2019 when Seth won. Because even though he'd been getting the push all year, I still wasn't for sure if they were going to pull the trigger on Seth actually winning the Rumble and going on to uh, WrestleMania to face Brock. But but he did it, and uh, yeah, I just remember being really, really psyched for that one. Yeah. All right, and last question. This is from our newest Foley, member, man, Foley oh, fam. Oh, wow. Uh, that, eight, that freaking uh, gelato, 8% double IPA starting to kick in, man. All right, last question from our newest Foley fam member. <laughs> there we go. Easy for me to say. Brett Shero. My most memorable rumble in relation to when I was watching the most was watching Ray go from number two to winning the whole thing. Second most memorable was John Cena returning in 08. Probably the biggest pop in a rumble match. And that's it. It was just a statement. He's just sharing a thought. No question. I think uh, I'm just going to go off that. I think my favorite thing is still AJ Styles debuting in 2016. It was just something that I never thought I would see. Um, Like I, I've said it before. I was a huge TNA mark and I loved AJ Styles and I really wanted to see him get a shot on the big stage. And I just remember kind of being like in awe of the fact that WWE actually signed this guy and admitted that he was, he was worth enough to get under WWE contract. And dude, the last seven years with AJ Styles has been really memorable for WWE. Yeah, it's been awesome. My most memorable is probably still, Going back to 1992, man, I was still such a little mark at the time. And I just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Hulk Hogan was going to win the championship. Uh, You know, this was the rumble that was for the vacated title after all the controversy between Hulk and The Undertaker. I just knew that Hulk was winning that belt. And it was just shocking to me when he actually got dumped out by by Sid Justice. And it just burned into my memory, man. So I I go with the 92 rumble. There is nothing Um, better than that rumble, though. That is like that's like comfort wrestling is watching the 92 rumble. Yeah, if you want to get excited, little appetizers, sit down Friday night after SmackDown goes off and watch that rumble. It's the perfect thing to get you all all lubed up for uh, for Saturday night's event. Or, so. or watch it instead of SmackDown. I mean, that's what I would advise. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome, though. We're super stoked for the rumble. It's going to be a blast. One of the most fun events of the year. We got a we got a little lotto action going on the Foley fam. This is going to be dropping Friday morning. So if you're listening to this, hopefully uh, you get a chance to listen before the rumble to help you get excited. 
It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait, man. Uh, I want to remind you guys, use code Chick Foley to save 10% at Ringside Collectibles and find links to all things Chick Foley, my lovely wife, Sheena, at www.chickfoley.com. Jordan, hit us with some closing thoughts as we tie a bow on this episode. Man, I feel like I get in my feels whenever I do the closing thoughts for Podware. That's good. That's what they want. Man. Dude, I... I- I just wanted to say, and I keep repeating this, man, me and Seth are so thankful that you guys give us feedback on these episodes and that you guys like listening to me and Seth banter on because, dude, this is easy for me and Seth to do. I mean, we're best friends. We This is how we talk on the phone. You guys are getting to a peek behind the curtain of Jordan and Seth's friendship. Um, and we want you guys to give us feedback and, and stuff that you guys want to hear because, I mean, we're open to doing anything. Um But yeah, uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys have a great Rumble weekend.